Now, the last year has seen a lot of changes at BC Housing, as we were just talking about with Von Palmer, and clearly, rightly so. A forensic investigation released yesterday showed conflicts of interest and mismanagement with the former head of BC Housing, the CEO, and his wife, the head of Atira Women's Resource Society. That was an organization that was getting, is getting, a lot of money from BC Housing, and at the time, without all the rules being followed. Now, it's the reason why the entire board at BC Housing was replaced about a year ago. The independent investigation has identified 20 recommendations to make sure this doesn't happen again. So are those rules in place? And what happens now? Joining us now to talk about the changes that are being made is the board chair of BC Housing, Alan Seckel. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. Now, you were part of the new board that was announced last summer. What was your mandate when you were brought in? What do you see as your role there? Well, you have to recall that at the time we were appointed, shortly before that, the government had released another report by Ernst & Young, which outlined some operational and managerial changes that needed to occur and governance changes that needed to occur. And so the mandate we were given was to ensure that that report um, was implemented in a timely manner. And when did you realize that there was a continuing problem at the organization? Well, if you mean the conflict of interest uh, allegations, mm-hmm. that ha- that came up um, within the day or two of me becoming the chair. I was informed that the investigation had commenced. And so what roles, like what, what did you do at that point in order to deal with this situation? What kind of changes were made? Well, first of all, the first thing we did was ensure that uh, I issued a, a, a directive to to the staff that they were to fully cooperate with the investigation, ensured that there was a person within the organization to be the point person between the investigators and and the and BC Housing, uh, someone who would uh, was uh, if I could put it this way, neutral and not involved in any of the allegations, and uh, uh, designed to ensure that there was a full cooperation and full disclosure of any information that uh, was required by Ernst and Young on behalf of the Controller General. And so after that was done, after you put those rules in place and issued that, did you find that that was still not being followed? I don't have a concern that it was being followed. It, it probably took a week or two to internalize, in part because, to be fair, people were on vacation. But um, uh, you have to keep in mind that uh, we started to see some changes in, in the senior management and through the month, through the month of August. And uh, once the uh, investigation got up and running, I didn't have any concerns that uh, people within BC Housing weren't cooperating fully, uh, with the exception perhaps of some of the things mentioned in the report. Do you feel that changes have been made at BC Housing? Like, are you confident that this kind of situation would not be happening again? Um, I'm confident that it's not going to happen again, in part because, first of all, I do want to shout out to all of the people that are still at BC Housing, because they're extremely dedicated and concerned about providing the best housing options, particularly for people who, uh, who need assistance. In British Columbia. So I think they're all very, very dedicated towards that. I think we have a new leadership in place uh, with the new CEO. We're uh, about to hire a new CFO after uh, we had an interim CFO for, for a short time. We're bringing in an office of chief legal counsel. Uh, we've revitalized our whistleblower. Uh, we've created a whistleblower policy and revitalized our conflict of interest policy. We're requiring annual sign-off now on the, uh, on the conflict of interest policy. Um, and I think we've got a group that's dedicated to ensuring that this type of uh, these events don't occur again.
Yeah, there were 20 recommendations in that report that we were discussing this morning. How, how far along is the implementation of those 20 recommendations? Well, you know, it's sometimes a little bit hard to be specific because if you go back to the report I mentioned earlier, the Ernst & Young report in, of June last year, many of the things addressed in that report, had they had, once they're implemented, would prevent and would subsume or, or overtake some of the more specific in, uh, uh, things that are in, in, the, uh, in the list of 20. But I think we're well on our way on, uh, on all of the 20, and uh, we're dedicated to making sure that we implement each and every one of them in short order. Now, clearly from the report, some of the situations described there, I mean, money was being directed to Atira at the whim of a text message from the CEO of BC Housing. How do you make sure that doesn't happen again? Well, we've, we've issued a directive to everyone that uh, no decisions can be made by a text message, that anything that is uh, in the nature of a decision has to be done in a more formal manner so that there is an adequate record of that going into the future. It just seems hard to believe, I think, Mr. Suckle, for a lot of people that that was actually being done at an organization the size of BC Housing. Like, how can you make decisions via text message? Yes, it, uh, it, uh, I totally understand that. Clearly, uh, you know, things could have been done in a better way in terms of, of documenting things. I do, you know, I think it is a testament to a certain degree of the degree to which people want to make decisions quickly to, to the benefit of people who are homeless. But nevertheless, that's not an acceptable uh, practice for a large organization that's responsible for so much taxpayers' money, and we're just going to make sure that doesn't occur in the future. Okay. What do you say then to you know people in BC who've been reading about this and are actually quite shocked at, at some of the things that they are finding in this report? What do you say about BC housing at this point? Well, I'd say clearly we could have done better and should have done better in the past, and uh, we're uh, you know it's our we're going to do better in the future. We're going to implement. All of the things that uh, I've mentioned a, a few moments ago uh, with, you know, standards of conduct and whistleblower policy, we're going to make sure that we have the right staff and the right team in place. We're going to come up with the right pro- processes and procedures. We're going to have the right oversight at a board level. We're going to do all the things that are part of uh, good governance of, of a corporation, whether it's a crown corporation or any corporation. How important is that whistleblower protection there? Because have you heard from employees who say that they wanted to say something and they were unable to do so? Uh, what I've heard is that there was, and this is referred to in the report, is that there was a culture within the organization where you perhaps would you know, bury your concerns uh, at, from time to time. And so what we need to do is ensure that that culture changes and the whistleblower policy is just one part of, a, of, of a tools to, to change that culture. It's also... Uh, important that leadership from top to bottom of the organization embraces that culture of, of, of accountability. Does the board feel, do you still have confidence in Atira's ability to deliver housing? Uh, you know, Atira, like many uh, not-for-profits, uh, deliver really important services to oh. British Columbians, and I have every confidence that uh, the nonprofit sector will continue to do so. Thank you very much for your time this morning. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Appreciate that. That's Alan Seckel, who is the board chair of BC Housing. He was appointed last July after the previous board was removed by then Housing Minister David Eby. And now we know why, right? We know why that previous board was removed, because the housing minister asked for action to deal with the CEO at the time, Shane Ramsey, and with these clear conflicts of interest and mismanagement that was happening. The previous board declined to do that. 
And so that board was removed. New board brought in. Alan Seckel is the chair of the new board of BC Housing. They aim to address all of the 20 recommendations, as you heard him say, from this report. Uh, That's a process that is ongoing. The whistleblower stuff is absolutely imperative to get in there, right? When you've got something as brazen going on as what was happening at BC Housing and there was a culture as Alan Seckel just said there, of people feeling like they couldn't say anything and they just had to roll with this. That is unacceptable when you're talking about public money that is being used there, really any money that is being used. You're making huge decisions, million-dollar decisions by a text message and then deleting those text messages. Uh, That is just unacceptable by any stretch of the imagination, right? So obviously we still have some more questions about this, about, you know, why weren't we told about this a year ago when it first came up? Like if you were replacing the board, you knew there was a problem. Why not say that a year ago? Well, Premier David Eby, who was the housing minister making those decisions, will be joining us coming up just after the 7.30 news to talk more about that. If you